Hello, cyber friends. This is Chatting Cyber, and I'm your host, Mark Shine. This podcast focuses on how companies can help qualify and quantify the cost of a data breach. Chatting Cyber features some of the most well-respected privacy and cyber experts in the world. Join the conversation with business leaders, government agencies, and cyber experts to learn more about how and why they got into this ever-changing field that we call cyber risk. Hello, cyber colleagues. I'm Mark Schein, National Co-Chair of the Cyber Center of Excellence here at Marsh McLean Agency. And today we have a true cyber celebrity with us, Marcin. Thank you for joining. Thanks. Appreciate it, Mark. Of course. So, Marcin, my first question to you is, you know, wh- where'd you grow up? So I grew up in Brooklyn, spent most of my younger years in uh, Brooklyn and Queens. I was actually born in Poland, though. So I immigrated to the country in 93 when I was nine years old. Um, so I was born in Poland, raised in Brooklyn, and now sort of growing up in the Northeast. Um, so Northeast uh, for a long time. And I think that, you know, it takes a certain person to be in the Northeast for as long as most of us have at this point. Um, sure. Yeah. So so, so I guess my next question would be is, you know, how does a, a boy that grew up in Poland end up becoming one of the most well-known cyber underwriters to date, right? I mean... How did that whole process, how did you get involved with cyber? Yeah, so I think I was very fortunate, like many people, to get into cyber. Um, I appreciate the comments, by the way. I, I don't see myself as that. I just see myself enjoying this career. Um, but but I but I have worked really hard to make sure um, wherever I go, I'm able to work hard and lend a helping hand in trying to develop and move cyber along. So I've I've enjoyed it. Um, but I do think some of the accolades kind of make me smile and make me laugh uh, at the same time. Listen, I, I fell into insurance like most of us do. I was a, a finance major at St. John's. It was 2005. Finance wasn't the best of industries to get into. Um, CNA had a training program, and I didn't know anything about insurance. So I said, hey, CNA is training program. They'll train me on insurance. I'll go into it. And I was very fortunate to be placed with um, within the cyber tech MPL team um, at CNA. It was a, a random crapshoot of which team I got placed in, and that's how I got into cyber. Um, and ever since day one, I thought it was a very interesting, innovative space, um, something that is always evolving and challenging for me personally. Um, so I I was very very fortunate in, in falling with the right people. Um, you know, the group of, of folks I worked with at CNA. Um, through the first few years of my career are still ones that I'm very close to and ones that have definitely shepherded me along the way as I developed my career. So so I guess based off of your experience at CNA and now, you know, being a head of business development at Coalition, in, in your opinion, you know, what are some of the most important uh, uh, roles that an underwriter really has or, or that they should have rather? Yeah. So I think that, and, and I'll bring it back to how I think about the role um, and why I think it it's been a fine career for me is to be a solid underwriter. I think you have to be able to put on both your analytics hat at times, and then you also have to put on your marketing hat other times. Now, the the way in which you use those two skill sets varies from week to week and month to month. Um, but I do think you need to both be able to um, create the right type of coverage and create the right type of solution for clients. Getting creative is something I think is key for underwriters. Um, but the other thing is on the marketing side, yeah, it's great. We all get together and we have fun. We do fun events. But I think the key part of 
a really good underwriter being a really good underwriter is earning the trust of the brokers and our clients. Um, and I think that's really where I think um, I've spent a good part of my career is making sure I focus on being a, a thorough and creative underwriter, yet somebody that people could trust. Uh, I think if most brokers would ask, what do they want from an underwriter? Is they want trust and responsiveness. They know it's somebody they can re rely on. It's not, it's not somebody that says yes all the time. It's not somebody that says no all the time. But it's somebody who will have a conversation with you and who will be respectful of your time and the time of your clients. And, and I think that's really what it takes to be a really good underwriter. You have to be creative, but you have to have to be trust, trust, trusted. So you, you've mentioned the word creative several times. Yeah. Um, who Who is coalition? Because we hear that they're one of the most uh, uh, creative uh, 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 insurance companies to date. Uh, what has made them so unique or made you so unique uh, working there for so long? Yeah, so I, listen, I would say I've learned more um, in the last two years working at Coalition from a uh, from the perspective of understanding security than I did in the 15 years prior working as an underwriter at both CNA and Excel. Now, I think we and myself, we were really good underwriters at those places, at those times, based on what we knew. Um, I think what's different about Coalition is the ability to understand that learning from data is is important and learning from data is even more important in the ever-changing space of cybersecurity. Uh, I think where Coalition definitely differentiates is we are continuously making sure we look at risk selection and risk prevention from a forward-looking perspective, not a backwards-looking perspective. Right. I talk about this on most panels I'm on, most most discussions I have with clients. Um, claims information has gotten much better over the last few years. Because claims information has gotten better, and we actually have had claims to learn from, we could ask better questions, we could draft better language, and that's fantastic. But what claims does, in my mind, it looks you know three to six to maybe a year backwards. I think what Coalition does to supplement that information from a claims perspective, because it is very important, um, is, is able to analyze the data we collect with the right lens to look at what's going to happen three to six months from now. And I think that's really the big differentiation is most people are stuck looking backwards. Coalition is really good at looking forward. Um, and I think that is what drives our value. Um, the other part that's been imperative to the growth and success of Coalition and others in this space that are uh, leaning on data better is the concept of continuous monitoring, right? Passive, stale policies, they get purchased on a date and time during a year, never looked upon again throughout the next year until three months before renewal, sure. where we ask the same relative questions that don't lead to much of a discussion is not where cyber insurance can live. It's way too uh, fast moving, it's way to the dynamic um, and the idea that something like active insurance where continuous monitoring, continuous discussions with clients um, where we challenge each other, frankly, it's not a one-way discussion. It's, it's a circle of data sharing between brokers, clients, and carriers is really the other differentiation that I think Coalition has over not only PNC carriers or more traditional carriers, but other insure techs as well. So, so that, that all makes sense. And I think you answered my next question was, you know, you, you were 
traditionally you were with phenomenal insurance carriers. You know, what made you go to the technology side yeah. so much? Yeah. So, so, you know, two things for me, um, not probably surprising, but I, I think it's really hard to, to pivot or U-turn a big moving behemoth like a large PNC company. It's really hard to affect change at those carriers. And when one sees that cyber needs to be uh, underwritten and managed much differently than it has traditionally and pivoted quicker, and if you need to make changes on coverage quicker or how you underwrite quicker, doing that at a more traditional carrier is tough. There's too much red tape. Sure, um, sure. I, I always thought Coalition was going to be successful at making sure that they are quicker at providing the right resources to clients to actually truly manage cyber risk. And I saw that as the future of underwriting. Um, so I wanted to make sure I'm part of and can affect how a technology company, frankly, like Coalition, is used best in the cyberspace, right? Um, in cyber insurance, excuse me. Um, you know, Coalition is a technology company at heart. We just happen to sell insurance. Um, now we're also, you know, a standalone, or we are still an insurance company. We do all the traditional things that every other insurance company does. But the fundamental difference is we're a tech company that uses data better than other insurance companies who honestly are our data companies, they just don't know how to use their data. Sure. Um, so I, I I made the move because I really thought this was the future of cyber underwriting uh, and the general premise that data within insurance should and could be used better will transform not only the risk management and risk uh, mitigation of cyber, but down the line, many other lines of coverage, right? Which is simply why we also got into executive risks now, right? There are things you could do with data in many other fields and lines of insurance that should and help, that should and do enhance the value to our clients. So I was just ready for a new change. And, and I thought I was coming in at a really good time where some of my expertise in relationship building, relationship management, and truly helping a technology company understand the value of what they're selling from an insurance standpoint uh, was just a really good time for everybody. So, so you guys have, um, you know, clearly you're forward thinking and data aggregators. So, you know, perhaps you might be one of the better people to ask about what are some of the challenges you believe that are going to be facing in, well, that businesses are going to be facing in cyber risk in the next two years, as well as what are cyber underwriters really concerned about, you know, over the next 24 months? So, so two things we need to do um, in my mind, at least two that I could speak to now one is the data quality has to keep improving, right? I think data collection is only as good as what you do with that data. Um, if you don't know how to read, manipulate, and understand both what has happened and what could happen with the data you have in front of you, um, I think that could all that could only create a sense of concern for clients. Like we we still sometimes deal with this um, perception that we're somehow going into people's networks that were intrusive, that were going way too far. Um, now, none of us are, right? This is no different than me driving down the street to see the color of your house. Sure. And I see that you have four windows and not eight. Not eight. I mean, I think most people are starting to understand that. Uh, but I do think that one of the issues is data quality. We have to make sure false positives are at a minimum. We have to involve 
insurers and our brokers in the data quality itself. Um, something that we're working on. Um, simply saying, hey, here's what we found. Help us clean this up. What's wrong? What's right about it? I think the more we work with our insurers and as an industry, that will eliminate some of the data quality issues. Um, the other thing that I think needs to happen, and I'm I, I, I'm sure it will, I just don't know how quickly for the industry as a whole, is we need to use that data to not only underwrite better from a loss perspective for us as a carrier, um, but we have to use that to show our potential insureds how their um, how their use of risk management tools affects coverage and price. Um, I think we've been asked for this for you know almost a decade at this point, uh, where a client says, "Hey, I've I've made all these improvements. I've bought all this software. I've hired all these people. I did everything you guys asked me to last year. Why is my price going up? Sure. Uh, and is my price the same as my peer who didn't do any of those risk management uh, steps? Um, and I, I think we're getting to a better place there. But I do think that if we're going to say we use data for the benefit of the industry and ourselves." We have to make sure we show that with a variety of coverage options based on tools and resources that a client has implemented or is planning to implement, right? Future state of cyber underwriting has to be something along the lines of we scanned you, you filled in an application, we had a call, whatever it may be, we collect the data, here's what we see, here's your coverage. But if you do X, Y, Z based on our recommendations, because we see these recommendations lead to a loss to loss prevention, or it leads to some other f material decrease in exposure, here's what your coverage looks like. Here's what your price looks like. And sure. be very granular. Sure. Um, I think that's going to be the success of cyber underwriting in the future. So, so you know, you touched upon controls. And from an underwriting standpoint, um, how important are the controls that a business has? Or is it more geared towards just their their revenue and the class of business that they're in? Or do the controls that they have actually matter in terms of the, the, the terms that they may or may not be getting? Yeah, I mean, the controls are vastly important in the underwriting and in the risk mitigation of our clients. Um, I think, like most people at this point understand, hackers are looking for low-hanging fruit, right? So yes, you could be 100 million manufacturing risk just like your peer down the block, but then the controls actually dictate who will be targeted uh, by the sheer ease of cracking their network versus somebody who has a proper perimeter monitoring and, and a proper network infrastructure. So I think controls are very important. Uh, they're not just random yes or no questions like we used to depend on in the past. Sure. I was on a panel um, just the other day and I was asked, what was underwriting like in 2005 or 2008 versus now? Uh, and it's a really simple answer. Like in 2005, there were two trains of thoughts. Here's cyber insurance, and here's two questions, because I actually don't know what this is and what's, what it covers and what to underwrite. Or here's 25 pages of questions, and I will try to overly, overanalyze everything. And yet I still don't know what cyber insurance will do or won't do because there's no claims. Sure. Where we are now is we are asking more poignant questions because we see where claims have come from, what the threat vectors are that will lead to future claims. Um, and in doing so, we're able to actually guide our clients to make sure they use their resources for the proper use of spent and time on controls that actually matter from a risk perspective, from risk mitigation and reduction standpoint. 
so yeah, I, I think, uh, you know, I think controls make a, a vast difference in the profile of our clients. Um, but the the fun, fundamental difference in how I think coalition looks at even controls um, is it's not a moment in time. If you underwrite cyber in a moment in time snapshot with controls and scans, I still think that's setting both the carriers and the clients up for failure. So Marcin, we've spoken about a lot in today's conversation. Is there anything that I should have asked you that I didn't get a chance to ask you? Um, I think, you know, talking about the future of some of the issues that we may be facing, it would be good to spend a little bit of time on. Um, not that I have all the solutions for these topics, um, but I think we have to be very mindful of two particular ones. One is the systemic failure exposure that we're all dealing with. Sure. Um, I personally think that um, the marketplace will evolve into an, an into a space where there will be the standard coverage and yet also separate catastrophe cyber coverage. I don't think that that's that far in the future. Um, just for clarity purposes, I think many people will be interested in that type of cover. Um, the other one that some people have started to speak about, but I don't think it's getting as much attention as it should, is privacy as a peril. Sure. Uh, there is continuous discussions on a regulatory front, state levels, foreign governments and agencies um, about privacy. And I think that we've gotten really good at the technical aspect of cyber underwriting, and we are guiding the industry in a really good direction on pushing our clients to be thoughtful of security. Um, but because we were doing that so hard because of ransomware and other epidemics that we dealt with, we have not been focusing on privacy as much as we maybe should have. And I think that's something that's coming down the, you know, down the line. Well, Marcin, thank you for taking the time and coming on the show and chatting cyber with us. Absolutely. Pleasure to, uh, to finally do this with you. And um, yeah, I, I really, really enjoy this industry enjoy everybody i've met uh throughout my career thus far and i look forward to to speaking with you again and seeing where we land in cyber in the next few years absolutely and your, your growth has been uh, phenomenal and thank you for all that you do for us and our clients absolutely thanks mark